Why don't we go ahead and get started this morning with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for this time where we can come together and hear your word and fellowship as Christian believers. Lord, we pray that all the classes that are going on this morning, that everybody would hear your word, that they would understand it, and that we would be able to apply that to our lives. Lord, we thank you again for the opportunity to join together. We ask for these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm your Sunday school teacher for today. Um, we're going to go ahead and get started. It's kind of a nautical theme this week. Um, we're going to go ahead and continue with the story of Paul and his trip to Rome and the shipwreck. Um, many of us in our lives have probably experienced things where it doesn't work out quite like we planned, or we have some really good plans in place, but things don't quite work. One of those things, if you think back at the, the turn of the 19th century, um, a ship that most people know the name of, and part of that's because the movie is the Titanic. And so that was a ship that everybody thought was not, it, it wouldn't be able to be sunk. They thought it could withstand any storm. It would make the fastest trip across the ocean. And it, it was a massive thing. It took three years to build. So they started building it in uh, March of 1909, and it took three years. It was 800 feet long. It displaced 26,000 tons. In its engine room, it had 24 steam boilers that powered it, and it had over 3 million rivets to hold all that steel together. And so the engineers that designed it said, this thing is unseekable, it can't be sunk. So when it, it was built in England, so on its maiden voyage, most of you know the story, it was, in, uh, it was on April 14, 1912, there was another very massive thing that was made that was on a collision course with it. There was an iceberg out in the North Atlantic. It was about a mile long. And so you know, most of you know icebergs. You just see the top, right, the very tip. Most of it's underneath. And they did not see that, and they hit it. And so that ship that took three years to build, it sank in two and a half hours. And many, many people lost their lives. And so as, as people, we sometimes have these ideas that we think nothing can go wrong and everything is going to go really well. But we know that, probably through personal experience in our lives, that that happens. Um, can you think of another story in the Bible where men were doing something that they thought that would be a great achievement and it was something that God didn't want them to do, that God ended up foiling that? The Tower of Babel, that's right. When men thought they were going to get together and build this big tower and they were going to build all the way up to the heaven, all the way up to heaven and do all these great things and that was not what God wanted them to do. God God had given them a commandment. What did God tell um, Adam and Eve? What did he want them to do? Populate the earth, right? They were supposed to multiply and populate the earth, where the people were concentrating in this one area, and so God didn't want that, so people weren't following God's plan. And that's part of what our lesson's going to be today, is that the Apostle Paul was very good at following what God wanted him to do. He had a great amount of faith in God, and he trusted God. And so... The Tower of Babel, you know, God foiled that plan and he confused and made all the different languages so people couldn't talk to each other and then people spread out and actually did what God wanted them to do. So if you've been reading along um, every day in the, the church, we've got um, Psalms we've been reading for the six days. About two weeks ago we read Psalm 56. In 56.11 it says, In God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? And that's something that Paul really did. Paul went through a lot of experiences, and if you think about him um, and what he did, a lot of times people think, wow, Paul was, a, he was almost like a superhuman, all the amazing things that he did. But you have to remember, if you've looked back at Paul's life, how God prepared Paul. 
Does anybody know the, the city that Paul grew up in? Tarsus. And, and his given name was Saul, and it was changed to Paul after he was saved, but he was Saul of Tarsus. Tarsus was a city that was located on a main trading route. And so Saul, when he grew up, was exposed to lots of different cultures and lots of different things. And most of you know Paul was the apostle who went out and really preached to the Gentiles and brought the gospel to them. So God had prepared him in, in those ways. Um, we've been studying Acts and going through um, Paul, but to kind of set up where we're going to start with uh, the voyage to Rome and the shipwreck was um, Paul had been testifying about Jesus um, in front of the, the governors. There was um, Felix, Festus, and Agrippa. And this is really how we get to how God set all this up where Paul's going to go to Rome. Because as he was testifying, and they wanted, you know, he was in jail, and they were wanting to, um, there was a plot to kill Paul. And so when it got to the point where Paul couldn't do anything else, he did what a Roman citizen had a right to do, which was he said he appealed to Caesar. So as a Roman citizen, you had certain rights. Just like, you know, those of us that are citizens of the United States, we have certain rights. There's due process of law, there's the law of the land, there's all those things that we have to follow. And so Paul invoked this. This, his right as a Roman citizen. And so the reason he was a Roman citizen, well, he was born a Roman citizen, and God had set that up. So God has this plan all through Paul's life to expose him to all those different things so that at, when this time came, when the only defense that Paul had was he said, well, I appeal to Caesar, which meant he could go to Rome and his case would actually be heard by Caesar there in Rome. So that's how Paul gets started on that way. Um, and part of that, the reason that, that he knew, not, not just that he had appealed to Caesar, but he knew he was actually going to be able to go, because if you go back to Acts 23, and it's in verse 11, and this is after, um, you might remember, Paul was being um, questioned by the Sanhedrin, or the Jewish leadership, and he started an argument between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection, and the Pharisees did. And so Paul, knowing these things, started that argument. It actually started almost a riot. And so the centurion who was in charge in order to save Paul's life and to try to calm things down really wanted to get to the bottom of it. And so he took him back to the prison. And, and what he was going to do, if, um, if you look back in Scripture, it actually says he was going to examine him by scourging. Okay, So they, they literally, he was going to try to beat the truth out of him. And so while Paul's in prison and waiting for this, the Lord, it actually tells us in, in Acts 23, verse 11, it says, But on the night immediately following, the, the Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. So Paul had been explaining the gospel to these governors out in Jerusalem and all these people in the Sanhedrin. And now what... what the Lord wanted him to do was to go to Rome and so the Lord actually came and spoke to him and let him know and that's what some people have a comment about Paul and they say well of course he did all these great things because you know in this case you know the Lord actually came and spoke to him angels spoke to him and all those kind of things but do we have some way that God speaks to us our Bibles right through prayer and things like that so we can know what God wants us to do through prayer and through reading the Bible and those kind of things but in this case, the Lord came to Paul while he's in prison, and Paul knows the Lord told him. He said, you're going to go to Rome, and you're going to testify for me. So this is when a plot comes out where they know they want to kill Paul, and so the Sanhedrin says, well, to get him out of jail, we want to question him again. So on the way, 
they're supposed to kill him, but word gets to the centurion, his name was Julius, and so he's going to get Paul and take him out. And um, he actually had, if you remember, there were there were 200 Roman soldiers and, and horsemen, and so they took they took Paul to the port, and he was going to start on his trip to Rome. And um, I don't know if, if, if all of you, when you start your plans and your trips, if it goes as smoothly and you always leave exactly when you want to leave, and that doesn't happen very often in my family. Um, and that's what happened to Paul. So when you start looking at how Paul starts on his journey, all of this slows things down. And so they're getting ready to go. They get on a ship and they start sailing. And they make several different ports, but because of the bad weather and things, they're not really making very good time. So they get to a certain port and they're getting ready to leave. And so Paul knows he's supposed to go to Rome, but he also knows the weather's getting bad and it's not going to be very good weather for sailing. And so he talks to the centurion Julius and he, and, and he tells Julius, Paul warns him, he says, you know, it's getting too late in the year for us to go. In the winter, in the Mediterranean Sea, they have a lot of storms. And so if you get caught in one of those storms, your ship can be sunk. And so that's what Paul was worried about. And so he warns Julius... Well, Julius the centurion talks to the captain of the boat, and the captain says, no, the weather's going to get better. I think we're going to be all right. So they go ahead, and they're going to take off, and they sail. And things start out looking pretty well, but then they don't go so well. And that's um, one of the parts of the lesson that we're looking at is that we need to cling to God's promises when the mission seems threatened. So we're going to read about the first part of Paul's journey, and that's in... Acts 27, verses 13 to 32. So if you'll turn there with me, Acts chapter 27, we're going to start in verse 13 and go to 32. When a moderate south wind came up, supposing that they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchor and began sailing along creek close inshore. But before very long, there rushed down from the land a violent wind called Eurekilo, and when the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. Running under the shelter of a small island called Clauda, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. After they had hoisted it up, they used supporting cables in undergirding the ship, and fearing that they might run aground on the shallows of Sirtis, they let down, they let down the sea anchor and in this way let themselves be driven along. The next day, as we were being violently storm-tossed, they began to jettison the cargo, and on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us, from then on all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. When they had gone a long time without food, then Paul stood up in their midst and said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not to have set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night an angel of, angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men for i believe that god will turn out i believe that for i believe god that it will turn out exactly as i have been told but we must run aground on a certain island 
But when the fourteenth night came, as we were being driven about in the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors began to surmise that they were approaching some land. They took soundings, found it to be twenty fathoms, and a little farther on, they took another sounding and found it to be fifteen fathoms. Fearing that we might run aground somewhere on the rocks, they cast four anchors from the stern and wished for daybreak. But as the sailors were trying to escape from the ship and had let down the ship's boat into the sea on the pretense of attending to lay out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Unless these men remain in the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it fall away. So it didn't start out very well because they started late and just what Paul thought would happen happened. But he didn't give up hope in the middle of that, right? He knew that God wanted him to get to Rome and sometimes we're in the middle of a trial. We can't see how God's going to get us through that. But Paul had been through several trials before and he had that experience and that faith and that trust in God. And so he knew that God was going to get him there. And it's a pretty desperate situation if, if you read through this, if you, if you hear that. Because they have, I mean, they're on the large ship, and then they have a smaller boat or a dinghy that they would have used to go to the, you know, to the, the dock and back and forth and move things. So they pulled that up, and they actually took cables. When they talk about undergirding the ship, they took those cables and passed them underneath. They're basically tying the hull together because they're in a storm that they're afraid is going to tear their ship apart. And so it's pretty frightening. And if you read about, you know, to make it lighter in weight, they're throwing the ship's tackle. So that's all the stuff that they need to run the sails and do all that. So you have to understand these sailors were really, really scared that they were gonna, their boat was going to sink because they're throwing all the stuff overboard that they need to try to be as light as possible. But part of that is God knows that, and so he sends an angel to Paul and tells Paul, you know, you're, you're going to get to Rome, and, and not only are you going to get to Rome, every man on this ship is going to make it. And so that was confirmation to Paul again that that was going to happen. And so Paul knows this is going to work out. But what do you think about all those sailors? What, what, what does Paul have that those sailors don't have? Faith. He knows, he knows who God is and he believes God and he knows, he knows God's promises will come true and he knows that God appeared to him and said, you need to go to Rome and you're going to testify for me in Rome. So he knows that's going to happen, but none of these other, know, none of these other sailors know that that's going to happen. And so in this way, Paul's witnessing to them and he's trying to help them do the things that they need to do. And if you look at the last part um, of the scripture that we read, is those sailors are nervous enough when they get close to the shore what they're afraid of. So they put these anchors out at the back, but they're afraid the wind's going to blow them into the shore, into this island, and it's going to tear the boat up, and they're all going to die. So some of the sailors, you know, doing what people do, is when we get nervous, we try to fix that problem on our own. So they were going to lower the boat, and they're telling everybody, well, we're going to go put anchors on the front of the boat, on the bow, and that's going to help hold us. But Paul knows if those sailors who are important to making the ship do what it needs to do, if they leave, they're not going to have the crew that knows how to handle the ship to be able to save it and do the things that they need to do. And so that in this story is the Christ connection that, we, that I want you to think about, is that when we're going through troubles and trials in life, we need to cling to God and to Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Just like... Paul needed those sailors to stay on that ship. And so Paul's been right a couple of times. And so the centurion who's guarding Paul, he's in charge of the guard that has Paul. His name is Julius. Julius understands this. And he's a soldier. He's not a sailor. And so he understands if those sailors get in that boat and they take off, 
we're going to be left here and we don't know what to do with this boat. And so that's why he ordered them to cut those ropes and that dinghy falls away and it's gone and so now no one can go. Um, and so that's just, you know, the, the kind of the main point of this lesson is to think about is when we run into those troubles, we need to cling to Christ. We need to cling to him and understand that we might not know exactly what the outcome is going to be in the trial that we're going through at that time. But we need to understand that if we cling to him just like Paul did, that we can trust in him and that he'll get us through that. And this, you know, as, as we go through this and we're, we're talking about sailing, there's another, there's another story that involves oceans and boats and things like that, and that's the story of Jonah. And so what were some similar things between this story of Paul and he's on his way to Rome and Jonah? Can anybody think of any similarities? The storm... They actually both left from the same coast. They were headed the same direction. But there's a big difference, right? If you remember the story of Jonah, what, did, what was God asking Jonah to do? He was supposed to go to Nineveh to, to preach to the Ninevites, to call them to repentance, to repent from their sins and to come back to God. And did Jonah like the Ninevites? No. He didn't think they were worth saving. And so... Jonah, instead of doing what God wanted him to do, he was running. So he found a boat to get on to run away. But then we all probably know that story where they get out in the ocean and this terrible storm grips them. And Jonah knows, but the sailors with him don't know. And so they, when he confesses and figures out, you know, the sailors figure out, it's this guy's God is mad at him. Well, they throw him overboard. He gets swallowed by a whale. And, you know, that's a whole other story for another time. But if you think about this, Paul was willing to do what God asked him to do. And that's something else that we need to do is when, when God's asking us to do something, even though it looks impossible, we're not sure how we're going to get to that end. If we know God's called us to do that, we need to be faithful and be obedient and follow God in that calling and move towards that. So if you think about, you know, the last time you were in a trial and things were not going well, what, what was your first reaction? Anybody think of a circumstance that was going on? What was the first thing? You know, you're, you're late, you're trying to get your kid to school, and you're headed down the highway and you get a flat tire. Or, you know, there's some kind of emergency that you have to go take of. What was the first thing that ran through your head? I know, nobody probably wants to say that. I know a lot of times the first thing, you know, what I, what I do is I'm like, oh, I can't believe this. You know, i got a flat tire and i got to be at work, and, and I can't change the tire and I have all this stuff to do. And really, what, what should our first reaction be? Right, to pray, exactly. Just like Cheryl said, she's pointing out, pray. To think about that, to figure out why, why that's happening, right? Because if, if, we, if we believe in our God, and we believe that he's omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, okay, omniscient means he knows everything, omnipresent, he's everywhere at the same time, and... Omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He could do anything that he wants to do, right? So if we keep those things in mind, all these things that happen to us are happening for a purpose. So sometimes we need to step back and look and see. And so Paul's probably wondering why, you know, he says, well, if, if God wants me to go to Rome, God could have made that a very easy trip, right? You know, he could have left Jerusalem on time, could have got to the port on time, could have got on the right boat, could have sailed exactly where he's supposed to go, but that wasn't God's plan for him. 
And so Paul's trying to figure out what God's plan is, but he knows he needs to go with what God has him doing. And so he's faithful. And Paul's incurs as well because God had told him that you know, he's going to save all 267 people that are on that boat. And so it's, it's Paul's belief in Christ that really helps govern his actions. And that's what we should hope for and work towards as Christians as we mature is when we run into those trials, we need to lean on that. We need to look at the examples that we have in the Bible of the different ways and the different stories that God has and the people that went through different trials and how they reacted and how God was there and always faithful to them and always helped them through those trials. Because we have to remember God equips us, right? He gives us what we need. He puts us in the place that he needs us to be. But when he does that, what do you think he expects us to do? To obey, exactly. So that's one of those things in this lesson that I hope that you get out of this is that God will equip you and he's going to call you to do things, but he, he expects you to act. So God expects you to move forward in what he wants you to do in faith. And if we have that trust as Christians and that faith in God, we'll go ahead and do that and we'll move forward and we'll do God's work for him. There's a, a verse that I really like that's in Ephesians. It's Ephesians 2.10. That's really kind of a, a, a one, one summary for that, a one verse summary. So if we look at Ephesians 2.10 tells us, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And so, Paul was probably surprised by getting caught in this storm, right? But God knew that was going to happen. God had prepared him. Brought, God sent him in a boat that he knew could withstand the storm. It got beat up and battered, but to this point, it's withstood the storm. It had a crew that knew enough to get them where they, they, as far as they were. And so things were working out. God knows what that whole plan is. And just like Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we're God's workmanship, God created us and gave us the gifts and the skills and the abilities that he, he needs us to have in order to do the work that he's called us to do. And, and the other thing to think about is Paul was one of the apostles, but if you look at the other apostles, who did, who did God call to be apostles? I mean, he, he didn't call rabbis and wise men and those kind of things, right? Who, does anybody know, that, what do we think the ages of the apostles were when they were called? Were they guys that were 40, 50 years old that had all this life experience? These were all, all young men. You know, maybe even the late teens, early 20s, these were all young guys, very different backgrounds, but just regular people. So God didn't go pick people that had studied you know, the Torah for years and years and years or had all these different things. He went and called fishermen. He called average men, a tax collector, a zealot, those kind of people. And those are the ones that God took and molded to use. And so when you think about when God's asking you to do things, don't think, well, I can't do that, I can't do that. If God wants you to do that, he's going to call you to do that, and he's going to equip you to do that, and he'll get you through what you need to do. So we're going to pick up here, and we're going to read um, 33 to 38. And this is in Acts 27 again. Until the day was about to dawn, 
Paul was encouraging them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have been constantly watching and going without eating, having taken nothing. Therefore I encourage you to take some food, for this is for your preservation, for not a hair from the head of any of you will perish. Having said this, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all, and he broke it and began to eat. All of them were encouraged, and they themselves also took food. All of us in the ship were 267 persons. When they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing out the wheat into the sea. And so Paul's trying to do what God wants us to do in these situations. So when you're with people and things aren't going very well, God wants you to encourage those people. And that's what Paul did. And he did this in a very interesting way, right? Because he recognized that, I mean, they've been out on rough seas. Has anybody been out on the ocean in rough seas? Anybody get seasick? I, I have never been so sick in my life. I went out salmon fishing, and there were 15-foot swells, and we weren't in a very big boat. But you were—I mean, I, could, I remember you're there, and you're at the bottom of the trough, and there's this big wall of green water, and then two seconds later, you're on top, and you're up above everything, and then you're down. And it's it's just this big thing, and I tell you, I I've never been so sick in my life, and that was the fishing was good. We caught we caught our limit for everybody on the boat, but that was miserable. So, you know, the Bible's telling us here, these guys have been out for 14 days in this storm, and they haven't eaten, probably because um, they may not be able to keep anything down. But Paul's telling them, and Paul knows they need strength, right? And so he's offering them two things here. He's telling them, you need to eat. And so he, he, he gives them bread, you know, and he breaks bread, and he does this thing where he's thanking God, right? And I, that would be hard to do. If you look at the situation that they're in, Paul's giving thanks to God, right? But we need to remember we're supposed to give God thanks in all situations. So he's doing that. He's encouraging them to eat because he knows that they need their strength because they're not done yet, right? They have their anchors down. They're close to this island. They don't even know what island it is. And it's still rough seas, but he knows if, if these guys don't eat, we're never going to make it. So he's encouraging them to do that. So that's something that we need to think of when we're going through trials is to remember to encourage people. And we have to remember, you know, we're not just spiritual beings on this earth. We're physical beings, right? We have to eat. We have to take care of ourselves. So that's something else to think about when you're going through trials. And so in this, you know, we need to remember to, to keep that end goal in mind. And that's what Paul's doing is he knows that God wants him to get to Rome. And he's probably still not at this point really sure how that's going to happen. But he knows it's going to happen because God has told him that. So we'll pick up again here in chapter 39, or not chapter, verse 39, and we're going to read to the end of um, chapter 27. So when day came, they could not recognize the land, but they did observe a bay with a beach, and they resolved to drive the ship onto it if they could. And casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea, while at the same time they were loosening the ropes of the rudders and hoisting the foresail to the wind. They were heading for the beach. But striking a reef where two seas met, they ran the vessel aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable. But the stern began to be broken up by the force of the waves. The soldiers' plan was to kill the, per the prisoners so that none of them would swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to bring Paul safely through, kept them from their intention and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest should follow some on planks and others on various things from the ship. And so it happened that they were all brought safely to land. 
so that that I think would be really pretty scary if you think about this. So they think they're going to be able to get to the beach because they can't see this reef. And so they cut the anchors loose and they start moving and all of a sudden, you know, that boat hits. And now they're really stuck because those waves are still coming in, right? So they're on the boat and they're starting to panic. And so, you know, like it says, that, you know, some of the guards are like, well, not everybody's going to survive. We don't want the prisoners to get away. Let's just kill all the prisoners and then we'll make, you know, we'll try and get away. But that centurion, did, do you, why do you think that centurion wants to save Paul? And there, there could be some different reasons. What's that? And, and so he said to work for them, to gather firewood, or to, to, do, to do things for them once they get on the island. That could be it. think so and I think that's what I was trying to get at was what Cheryl was saying is that this so it's it's um oh and I can't remember his name Julius is the centurion who's in charge he's been with Paul for a while now and he's starting to see you know when Paul's talking about God and what God's promises are that God's promises are coming true so Paul's witness is having an effect on those people that are around him and so Julius knows that he needs to get Paul to Rome. So part of that could be Julius as a centurion knows he has a duty. His job was assigned to get Paul to Rome and he doesn't want to fail in that. But I think Cheryl has a big part in it too. Or her, her explanation is what I think as well. A big part of that was because of Paul and Paul's actions. And so Paul wasn't just self-serving, right? He was trying to protect the crew. He was trying to save everyone. He's also letting them know that God has told them that they would all make it safely. And so Julius is looking at Paul saying, well, Paul's been right quite a bit of the time. I think we should do, you know, we need to keep Paul alive. And he said we're all going to make it. We're all alive so far, so we should do that. And so they're told to go ahead, you know, those that can swim, go ahead and jump and swim for shore. And then as those breakers are coming in, the boat's getting broken up. So there's going to be pieces of wood and things floating around that if you can't swim, they didn't have life jackets and things back then, that's what you can grab onto but just like God promised, all of the men on that boat would be saved. And that's, you know, and that's what it says in the very last um, sentence here. It says, and so it happened that day, they were all brought safely to land. And so it's, it's pretty amazing if you think about what they've been through and the storms and all the things that are going on, that they all actually end up making it to this island, and it's the island of Malta, and they all make it safely there. And so we can think about that in the storms that we're going through just like Paul on the boat, he knows he's going to get to Rome. He knows this island is not Rome, so he knows that he's not going to die, and God's told him not all the other people are going to make it. Nobody's going to die. So they all make it to this island. And so this, you know, this is one of those stories in the Bible that we can look at that helps give us faith that God's going to get us where we need to be, and he's going to follow through with that. So even though as we're looking at it and things get desperate, they're not always as desperate as they seem.
so if we can keep that faith and trust in God that will really help us out He is, and that's a good point. Cheryl said that God's bringing other people along with us. And so all the men on that boat have gotten to, to witness Paul's faith in God. And, and Paul didn't waver in that faith and his commitment, and he knew and understood those things. Even if you think back to the part where, um, you know, there probably are some people, you know, there probably were some of those sailors who worshipped other gods. And if they thought those gods were mad at them and were causing this big storm and all these bad things to happen, they probably were not very happy with that God. But what did Paul do before they, before they ate? He prayed and he thanked God, right? He thanked God for the food and, and for you know, the safety and the provision up to that point. And so that, that's a pretty strong witness in trials. When people see how you react, when you're going through a trial in your life, and they see how you react and that you don't get mad and curse God, but that you, you pray for strength, you thank God for what you do have in that, that makes people wonder. And in that way, we can be a very strong witness for people. And that's how Paul was a very strong witness here, was his, his bravery and his courage and his, his unwavering faith that God was going to take him to Rome that helped these other folks see that. And I think that's starting to have an impact on Julius. And so they get to the island... And um, there's some pretty interesting things that go on here at the island, but we're not going to cover that in this. We're going to move on and get to where Paul actually gets to Rome. And this is where you know we get the final fulfillment of God's promise to Paul that he's going to go to Rome and testify. So we're going to be in chapter 28. We're going to read verses 11 through 16. At the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship which had wintered at the island and which had the twin brothers for its figurehead. After we put in at Syracuse, we stayed there three days. From there, we sailed around and arrived at Regium. And a day later, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Puteoli. There, we found some brethren and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And thus, we came to Rome. And the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Appius and three inns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. And so we see here, there's, you know, and it's a lot of times it's interesting if you think about in our day and age, we can get lots of places fast. You know, like Pastor Kent and Cynthia are in Nepal. It only takes about 20 hours of travel time by air to get literally all, all the way on the other side of the world. And if you've looked at a map where they are with the, Malta, the island of Malta, is not that far from Italy, the boot of Italy that comes down where Rome is. So it's really not that far, but it takes several days and several ships, and things all have to line up right, and they have to get the right wind to get there. But God sees to all that. And then one of the, one of the great things is when they get there, who, who greets them at, at Pudiola? other Christians, right? And that was a, it was a great encouragement to Paul to get there. And God probably knew that Paul would need some encouragement. But that's something as well for us to think about. As we travel around, you know, we go on trips and we go to different places. Um, you know, Ariel Bible Church is our home church and we love this church, but there's what we call the church universal. There are Christians all over the entire world and they all worship God and they know the same God that we know and they believe the same things that we believe salvation and 
who God is and who Jesus Christ is. And then once we're saved, we have the Holy Spirit. And so wherever you go, there are Christians, and they could provide you encouragement. And so it's, it's fun, and we, we try to do that when we travel. If we're somewhere on a Sunday, we try to find a church to go to just to see other Christians. And it's interesting to see other wor- worship services and to meet other believers. But when you go and do that, you'll have that thing in common, right? That's one of those things we have. When we talk about being brothers and sisters in Christ, well, that's exactly what it is. Is You can travel anywhere in our country or across the world, and when you meet Christians, they're your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Paul was very excited when he got there because he was greeted by these brethren. He got to talk with them, tell them about his trip, and, and really fill them in because you know they could write letters back then, but it was difficult to get word around. And a lot of times, the way news traveled was people traveled, and they took those stories with them. And so Paul could share with them all the things that happened back in Jerusalem and what was going on there, and he could share this, this journey with them and the things that happened on the island of Malta um, and their, their stay there over the winter and all of those things. And then he could also find out what's happening there in Rome and the Roman church. Because remember, Paul had already been on three missionary journeys in different parts of Europe and Asia going around spreading the gospel. And so he's planted lots of churches, and so he knows different Christians around. And so this is one way he can catch up and find out what's going on with those other Christians. And so it was a great way for, for God to help encourage Paul, right? Because we all, we all need encouragement. And then, you know, the thing to look at here is that Paul did make it to Rome. And so it's not quite the finish line, right? So it's, it's the finish line in that part of his journey. But just like we experience in our lives, there's different seasons. Right? You probably all got up this morning when you went outside. How many went back in to get a jacket? Because the, the weather's changing. It's fall, and we know winter's coming, but it feels like it's here. That wind's out of the northwest, and it's cold. There's a freeze watch tonight. We're supposed to get a hard freeze. So as we go through our lives, we go through these different seasons. And so this is Paul knows these things. And so we have these changes you know, in our physical bodies here on this physical earth and the different things that happen. And we go through the same seasons we experience things, things are sometimes a little bit different, but we do have that constant in our life, and that constant is is God and His Word and His Son Jesus Christ and the work that He did with us, did for us on the cross. And so, Paul's rejoicing as he gets to Rome, but Paul also knows, you know, because when when the Lord appeared to him in the jail, He didn't just tell him that He was going to go to Rome, right? He told him, just like you've been a witness for me here in Jerusalem, you will be a witness for me in Rome. And so Paul knows once he's actually there, he's going to have to continue to speak about the gospel to people, continue to argue the cause of Christ, continue to try to convince people that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and he did come and he did die on the cross for our sins. And so Paul knows he still has all that work ahead of him. But Paul also knows eventually he'll go to glory and be in heaven with Jesus Christ. And that's what we have as well. When we think about that great hope that, that we have as believers, that although we go through all these trials in life, and hopefully we don't have to experience something like this cruise that uh, Paul went on and the shipwreck and all of that, but we might. We never know. God calls different people to do lots of different things. But we have that hope and that understanding 
that once God, once, once we have finished everything that God has wanted us to do on this earth, that we get to go be with Him in heaven. And that it's a much different place and that we don't have to deal with all the things that we have to deal with here on earth. There's not all the, the sin and corruption from the fall and the, the problems that happen with us you know, being children of Adam and our, our propensity to sin. We have that sin nature in us. Once we get to heaven, we don't have to fight that anymore. We don't have to do all those things. But while we're here on earth and, and God has us here and we're doing His work for Him, we need to just have that faith that Paul showed us going through this shipwreck to be able to do those things that God wants us to do. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and close us in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the many examples that you've given us in the Bible, the story of Paul and the sailors and Julius the centurion and the witness that Paul provided them as he went through this dangerous journey where he wasn't sure what was going to happen and things kept looking like they're going from bad to worse. But Paul had that incredible faith in you and he knew that he could trust you and that you would deliver him to where you needed him to be so that he could continue to do your work, Lord. We pray that we would have that faith and that